Mark A. Altman, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. They're here. Yes, indeed. Your favorite 430 movie hosts are all back with an all-new season of curating fantasy theme weeks on the 430 Movie Podcast. Join Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller, Stephen Melching, and myself, Mark A. Altman, as we bring you the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movie curation. It's the 430 Movie. It's fun. It's informative. It's awesome. And until then, Eyewitness News starts now. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, one of the co-hosts of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a Trek fan, you owe it to yourself to pick up the 50-year mission, the complete, uncensored oral history of Star Trek. It's available wherever you buy books, digital, or audio. And speaking of books, check out my new book about the making of John Wick. They shouldn't have killed his dog. Also available wherever you buy your books. You see a pattern happening here? Well, what are you waiting for? Get on it. Well, here we go. Deck the Ambrosia, some very rare Ambrosia to celebrate Galactic in 1978. The ABC Sunday Night Movie presents the most spectacular space adventure ever filmed. Transport yourself in time to a star system far beyond our own galaxy. Core systems transferring control to program. Launch when ready. Battlestar Galactica, a saga of a star world. Flying. For a thousand years, a race of alien machines has been bent on destruction of the human race. They hate us with every fiber of their existence. And now their evil plans may become reality. It's dangerous around here. Why does people want to hurt us? What we do to them? It's not what we did to them. It's what they fear we could do. Join the last remnants of the human race in their quest for a new world. 
colony, this other world. Where is it and what is it called? Earth. And be there for the ultimate confrontation. Enemy closing, 30 microns. But if you're wrong... 25 microns. 15 microns. Cylons lured me into their deception once. Closing in, 5 microns. Never again. And to do that, aside from your usual experts, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller, Mark Alba, we have a very special guest. We have Stephen Melching joining us from the bridge of the Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Greetings. It's almost as if it's 4.30. Yeah, but it's <laughs> not. It, 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 what time is it? It's 4.30. Oh, wait. <laughs> 4:30 None of somewhere. you would get that except for Ashley <laughs> yeah. Bubble Guppies. It's time for lunch. <laughs> What time is it? It's, it's time for lunch. <laughs> I mean, my kids haven't been that young, and uh, but it never goes it away. You always you. Say, it sticks with you. It does, just like Battlestar Galactica, nineteen seventy eight. The bubble, now, you know, bubble guppies of uh, science fiction. A lot of people may say, uh, you know, why aren't you talking about Ron Moore's uh, show? Great. Do you know show. why? Because it's the same amount of time between Ron Moore's show and us now as it was when we were first watching Ron Moore's show. And the original show. Is that oh true? Did God. you do the math yeah. on that? Yeah. That's nuts. Oh. And it's as long since Pearl Harbor. As, never mind. <laughs> so. <laughs> Which is wow. kind of true. So. That, is, that is crazy. Which means it's time for another reboot. <laughs> well, that's the rumor, isn't it? That yeah. they had Sam Esmail involved yeah. at Universal for Peacock. It's going to cost something extra, too. But I, I think that given the, the cost and how everyone's retrenching on spending money, I don't think we're going to see a Galactica uh, a TV series anytime soon. I don't think so either. Yeah. No. Or a movie, to be honest. I mean, they've, I mean, they've tried to develop that movie now for 20 years and it hasn't happened. But the um, thing is, seems- I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, but Galactica just isn't a movie. I mean, the concept to yeah. me, it's just not a movie. It's a series. I don't know. Universal, right. you know, could be saying, what do we have like Star Wars? Well, yeah, you got Galactica. I don't think they're saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that maybe so. Maybe so. But, you know, it's funny because let me just poll you guys. Are you all fans of Galactica 78? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. And, and you know, it's funny because when my book came out, so say we all, you can count how many times I mentioned it during this episode. I, I, I was amazed by, thank you, Steve. I was <laughs> amazed by how many times uh, uh, fans of the new Galactic were like, I don't want to read this book because uh, there's the original Galactic in it. How many people from the original Galactic said, I'm not going to get this book because the new Galactic is in it. I don't get that at all because I love my both chocolate. of them. You got chocolate. I, I think oh, yeah, they're, they're both great. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They both have their charms and their virtues. I, I, I happily watch both of them. <laughs> and they're both great in totally different ways. But today we're talking about 78 Galactica because this is a show, much like Rodney Dangerfield, doesn't get a lot of respect. It's arguable whether it does deserve respect. I think it does. I think it does because I think in many ways it was super groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it got pigeonholed as a ripoff of Star Wars um, uh, did it no favors. But um, this was a really groundbreaking show. I want to talk to, to each of you about what your experience was seeing Galactica for the first time. So, Steve, you're the guest. 
what, <laughs> what was your experience seeing Galactica 78 for the first time and your response to it, if you recall? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure my experience is very similar to yours. Uh, you know, I, I was a huge fan of Star Wars, of course. Um, it, it kind of taken over my my world uh, in the previous year, 77, going into September 78, uh, when Galactica premiered on television. And I, I was there, parked in front of the TV for the uh, for the uh, three-hour premiere, and... I, I, I mean, I loved it and I watched every episode every week and, you know, even at the age of 10 and 11, I could tell, you know, it's a little goofy, maybe a little cheap. I mean, but I loved it because I was getting it every week and, you know, just, I, I, I collected the trading cards. I got the toys, you know, I, it, it was, it was a weekly fix. It's hard to understand now because of course, Star Wars was movies back then, you know, and the, the thought of having Star Wars every week was inconceivable. Now people take that for granted. They got Star Trek every week. Well, in some cases, Star Wars every week, um, you know, all this stuff. So it, it, it's different than back then when it was like this was just even crazy that they, they could attempt something like this. Darren, what was your experience seeing Galactica for the first time? Uh, of course, I was on the East Coast, so mine was delayed by uh, the uh, uh, broadcast from uh, President Carter. Uh, and uh, But I watched it from the beginning. Uh, I got the soundtrack right away. And uh, it, was, it was actually inspiration for me to start uh, trying to transcribe music. And I transcribed the opening of Galactica in, on, uh, on paper. Uh, for the first time, and well, the the whole the whole uh, you know exploration. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, Steve, give us the narration. What was it? There are there those, those who believe, believe that life, life here, here began, began out of there. There. With tribes, with tribes of, humans of humans who may who have been, may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians or the Toltecs or the Mayans or the lost cities of yeah, Lemuria the and Atlantis. Right. Oh, you're doing a lot. <laughs> that's right. Like that there. <laughs> Some believe, believe that there may that yet, yet be brothers, brothers of man who even now fight, fight to survive, survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Ashley, uh, <laughs> no, I've never seen it. <laughs> okay, what about you? Yeah, thankfully, uh, my my broadcast wasn't delayed. I, we were living in Hawaii, so we yeah. got it live. We didn't get yeah. the interruption. But the funny oh, thing did. is, I mean, I I enjoyed it, and I didn't really see other than the shots kind of looking like Star Wars. Uh, I thought it was visually different enough for me, and I thought it was uh, exciting. I love the Cylons, man. Mm. I, I would that uh, Cylons became the one uh, doodle on all of my math homework uh, uh, for years after that, uh, between Cylons and Darth Vader. Uh, and look, it's it, it was it was just enough to sort of fuel the enjoyment of uh, a youngster. Uh, I was 11 and it was, uh, it was just right. And, you know, TV was a vast wasteland of crap. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, this was, uh, this was a, a better version of crap for us. To I just want to interject since I'm not the artist here that my 
math uh, notes uh, didn't have Cylons on it. It, 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 I had just replaced the Enterprise fighting a Klingon D7 with the Galactica fighting a uh, Cylon base star, which nice. was soon to be replaced with the Enterprise refit fighting <laughs> against the Klingon Katinga ship. But uh, Cylons were way beyond my ability. Um, okay, Ashley, what about you? Uh, I, too, had to sit and wait and wait and wait. In Casablanca? Yeah, exactly, for that stupid speech. And um, wait for Battlestar Galactica to finally premiere. I was so excited for it, and then I had to sit. <laughs> and understand, at the time, I was mm -hmm, mm -hmm, maybe six years old. Yeah. So convincing my parents that <laughs> I should be allowed to wait was in itself uh, an adventure, but somehow I prevailed. So you feigned um, instant uh, interest in the uh, pr president's speech to yes. let them. <laughs> exactly. All I heard was blah, 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 blah. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, my, my, my twins are doing this project on, uh, on presidents, on influential leaders. And for some reason, uh, Griffin uh, drew the, uh, the Jimmy Carter cards. So we had to talk about all the things that Jimmy Carter did. And so I, I told him that he needs to include in his presentation that Jimmy Carter preempted the premiere of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I know I was uh, upset with him about the Camp David peace accords. It's like, how could that have, you know, be nearly as important as you know uh, this war between the Cylons and the Colonials? Exactly. And it just wasn't, as it turned out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, I look, I loved it. I loved every frame of it. And what... You know, number one, it appealed to the uh, the little Star Trek fan in me. I mean, I guess like somewhat to this to this Star Wars fan, but like, but as as Darren pointed out, I didn't really, I didn't really sense the Star Wars in it. To me, it felt like it's its own thing. If anything, it felt more like Star Trek to me. Uh, in, in many respects, except what was different about it was it was creating its its own world with its own lingo um, and its own cool designs. I, I didn't draw the uh, the Galactica. I drew Vipers. Mm. Uh, I loved drawing Vipers, man. I thought that they were the bee's knees, even though they were called the Vipers. Uh <laughs> And uh, I, you know, I love Starbuck, even though the way that, that he processes his grief in a very interesting way by going to a casino and celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> but I dug Starbuck. That's, um, uh, that's how I do it. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it's kind of true. It's sad. It's like that William H Macy movie, The Cooler. Um, only different. I see. Who doesn't want to cross over the cooler with Battlestar Galactica? Uh, no, I, I. I loved it, man. I never missed an episode. I loved it so much. I, you know, I even watched the show that came after it that I'm sure we'll talk about, but maybe not today. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, to, we'll get to that. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll get to that. You know, it's so interesting. You talk about how it evokes Star, Star Trek for you because according to Glenn Larson, um, Galactica had its roots in a show that he came up with in the um, late 60s called Adam's Ark. And this was a show about the world was going to be destroyed. And so this industrialist, I guess like an Elon Musk type, put together the best and the brightest on Earth 
and would uh, take a space looking for a new home in 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 space. Now that's I what the, he, I love the premise. Like this Howard Hughes figure in Vegas builds this fancy, crazy new hotel, invites all these world famous scientists and leaders to some kind of conference, and while they're inside, the hotel blasts off into space. Yeah, yeah, that's and 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 you, you know he to, would you use this to say <laughs> he he would use this to say this this is why it wasn't ripped off from. Star Wars, that this was basically an inverted version of Adam's arc. Now, whether that's true or not, because, you know, Glenn Larson had a reputation for ripping off hit movies and turning them mm -hmm. into TV series. BJ and the Bear was the the Clint Eastwood orangutan movies. Uh, Allie Smith and Jones was Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, you know, um, what were some of the others? There, there are a whole bunch of... Um, uh, Larson uh, shows that are yeah, well, taken BJ, from... BJ and the Bear was originally uh, Fellatio and the Wombat. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Harlan Ellison famously called him Glenn Larceny, right. which was uh, a, great, a, great, a great nickname. And it's interesting because Larson, one of his first gigs was on It Takes a Thief, where he worked under Gene Kuhn. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, he continued, he continued, considered Gene Kuhn a mentor. Now, Larson, also one of the things that he would do is he'd be involved in the pilot and then leave, but just keep collecting money. So like Quincy, he was involved in the pilot, um, uh, uh, Magnum, a lot, a lot of these shows. He, but Galactica was one of the few exceptions where he was involved from the beginning to the end. It was really his passion. I, I think late in life, if you asked him what his favorite show was, he said, I had more successful shows, but Battlestar Galactica was one that meant the much, most to me, partially because he was a Mormon with like eight kids, I think. Mm -hmm. And he took a lot of the tenets of his Mormon faith and sort of sci fi them up to um, put them in Galactica, the Council of the Ten, COBOL, a lot of these things were kind of based in his uh, Mormon uh, ideology or religion. So, uh, you know, it gave it an interesting grounding uh, for, for the story he was telling. But I think the reason people confuse it with Star Wars more than anything is John Dykstra did the effects on the first uh, three two-parters. And so he's using literally the same facility and the same equipment and mostly the same people that did Star Wars. Yeah. And Ralph McQuarrie did the concept art. So and Joe Johnston. Looks, and, and Joe, Joe Johnston, right. Of course, he designed the Silence, right? And of course, no, Andy Probert designed the Silence. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So it, ev it evokes the aesthetic of Star Wars, even if plot-wise... You know, it's not because it's Pearl Harbor in space. It's not that's not Star Wars. You know, yeah, Star right. Wars is not Pearl Harbor in space. Um, and if anything, he rips off Bonanza because it's about a family. And then he hires Lauren Green yeah. to be basically the Cartwrights and Apollo and Marin Jensen is Athena. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, now. No, no, he I mean, Larson uses a very different type of storytelling. Star Wars is very, you know, mythic storytelling and Galactica is very grounded, you know, family style episodic storytelling. It's on a much smaller scale dealing with, you know, recognize more recognizable or relatable human emotions or or situations. But well, not human words. Centon, Micron. There was only one Star Wars movie yeah. at the right. time. So, you know, what, what Galactica was doing that was different was it was creating this story that, that seemed to have life beyond the frame and life beyond the end of each episode. 
And that even though the episodes were effectively standalone, the truth is they were they were shockingly not standalone for a show of the time. And at that point, we had no idea what The Empire Strikes Back was going to look like or what a continuation of Star Wars was going to look like. At that point, Star Wars was Star Wars. It was a self-contained story. It had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yep. Or that Empire Strikes Back would look like Gun on Ice Planet Zero. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who's ripping off? Who's ripping who? Exactly. Exactly. Now that's that's a good point. It's interesting too that you know the other reason this this happened is because Star Wars was successful, which led Universal and ABC to want to make it. Of course. Um, And originally it was just going to be uh, because the three hour. Um, led to the second uh, two-part, uh, Lost Planet of the Gods. And originally, ABC was just going to do it as a series of, like, miniseries because they had a lot of success with Roots and with um, Rich Man, Poor Man and Masada and all these things. But then, sort of in during production, they decide, oh, no, we want to do this as a weekly series. <laughs> and that's where it really suffered because yeah. the, the, the one-hour episodes, for the most part, are not nearly as good or as ambitious as the two-parters. Right. Plus, you also have Dykstra leaving after doing um, Living Legend uh, because he did the pilot, um, Lost, Lost Planet of the Gods, and then Living Legend. And then you have all this effects from... Um, Heartland from Heartland, which are not nearly as good as, uh, and partially that's time and budget uh, as what John Dykstra was doing, which is really spectacular. And of course, if you like what John Dykstra did, you're going to continue to enjoy it because they recycled those effects <laughs> nine billion times but throughout the effects, series. They were terrific. I yeah. mean, they still hold up today. You know, mm-hmm. they were more sophisticated than uh, most of the effects in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Star Wars, Star Wars sort of served as R&D in a way yeah. for Galactica. They, they learned from their... Not mistakes, but they they learned from that Star Wars experience on how to do something even more spectacular. And you know, it's it's funny because the uh, the guys doing the effects uh, were not told that they were that this was going to be released uh, in theaters mm. in uh, in, in uh, Europe and uh, and eventually the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, eventually the U.S. So uh, they didn't know. So a lot of the things they really hated seeing up on the screen on the projection screen mm-hmm. because they didn't look up to the correct standard because they yeah. were shooting for you know tv so it was uh, it, it's a very interesting situation with the uh with you know dykstra and uh then ilm um because uh lucas basically abandoned them after star wars was was done and uh, and told them to fend for themselves. And uh, I believe Dykstra asked Lucas if they could, you know, do some other work. And he said, sure. Uh, and then when he found out what they were doing, that's when the lawsuit came. But um, look, all these other guys that uh, were working for ILM needed to work. And uh, Dykstra was doing his due diligence to bring in work for everybody. And it's only because of that that there were people around who could then go up to Marin and uh, start on Empire Strikes Back. So, well, and remember, the lawsuit was from Fox, not from Lucasfilm. Right. There right, is right. some question as to wh- how much Lucas really had to do with that lawsuit. And I mean, I know he resented. I mean, Mark Hamill told me, which I love. He he said they used to call it Battlestar Copycatia. Right. But, you know, which is a, you know, which is, it's funny, but it's not necessarily. Yeah. True. It's not true. No. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, 
But it, it's really interesting because, you know, Steve, you mentioned sometimes it could look cheap. And I think it is it was the most expensive TV movie ever made at the time. And even on the on the poster when they released it theatrically, it said made at a staggering cost of I think it was 13 million or maybe yeah. 7 million. But it was it was a lot of money at the time. Yeah. And uh, the episodes were the first show to cost ever over a million dollars an episode, and which was, uh, uh, you know, and, and you could see it on screen for a while. Right. Um, well, what, what, I, what, I, what I mean by cheap is, you know, the obvious uh, recycling of visual effects shots, um, right. which they just did not have the time and budget to do. Right. Sure. Effects for every episode and the use of backlot sets, which, you know, Western mm -hmm. towns and whatnot, which, you know, I, I totally understand. You were talking earlier about that transition from the miniseries model to the series model. They had to really scramble. And I don't think they had a lot of time. Like, geez, you know, now we got to do, you know, what, 20 more episodes or, you know, whatever, 15 more episodes beyond yeah. these these miniseries. Like, well, let's do Shane. Let's do well, that. That's such a good point. <laughs> and like, let's what can, do, what do we, what Towering do we Inferno. Yeah. What, what yeah. do we have? What sets can we use that are there that we don't have to design and build and we can just. That's such a great point. But you come out of whatever you think of the pilot, you know, it, it works more than it doesn't. Yeah, as goofy as the stuff is on Caprica, and all of a sudden they've gone through this Holocaust, this genocide, and they're talking about taking the the singing girls out on the circuit and uh, starting a <laughs> casino. You know, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, and the Lost Planet of the Gods, you know, they're in this void, and uh, you know, they find this planet that's identical to Egypt, and there's a lot of goofy stuff, but. It, it, it is really interesting and kind of intriguing and mysterious and all this stuff. And you haven't seen the last of Baltar. Also. <laughs> but then, you know, your first one hour is this huge Shane ripoff, the Lost Warrior, which they shoot in the Western town at Universal. And they put a couple of blinking lights on the doors. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no. Is this aluminum cowboy hats, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. not aluminum and, 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 cowboy hat. <laughs> And it ends with a shootout between Apollo and the Cylon, who's called Red Eye, Red Eye. because of his pulsating light. But it, it's so interesting because you're right, Steve. Um, this show, I don't think had uh, any show at that point had ever taken up eight sound stages on the mm. Universal lot. It's a very uninteresting Universal Studios store. Here they're filming Galactica. Over here they're filming Galactica. Here they're filming Galactica. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the bridge alone cost $850,000 they built over the tank because they had so much electronics beneath it mm -hmm. uh, from Tektronix, which they got a credit every mm -hmm. episode. Um, and I love that bridge. That may be oh, one of my favorite bridge yeah, sets of all time. Set. Probably my right. favorite bridge set next to the original Enterprise. Um, it's and it's remarkable, but they stayed on the lot. And at one point, they had to give up some of the stages to other productions. So they got stages uh, nearby, and that was the only other place they filmed. Occasionally, they go to Fox Ranch or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, they pretty much were on the lot the whole time. So... Um, like many other productions of the day at the Universal Factory, you'd reckon, you know, especially now, once you've been to the Universal tour enough times, you work there. Um, you're like, oh, I recognize that. I recognize that. You know, it's it, but uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the Viper, the launch bay, I think was on the old um, uh, Phantom of the Opera stage, mm, um, which right. is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, like there were curtains, like there were those, you know, black duvetine, and then behind it, you could see the stage, the old stage from the old Phantom of the Opera. So, I mean, there's so much history there, and Galactica was part of that history. I mean, you had like Ben Coleman who was shooting it, who was an old DP from, you know, starting the Silence, I think. You know, you have like um, Ray Milland and uh, uh, Lou Ayers and all right. these like legendary 
people. So it, it is that, you know, sort of connective tissue between the past and, you know, the future. That's why I think it resonates so much for us because it was like that end of an era that we were alive just for the tail end of the golden age of Hollywood. And right. then the beginning of the new Hollywood, which was Star Wars. And we were at like this nexus of it all. And Galactica represents that. It's like being uh, surrounded by joy. Yeah, Fred Astaire shows up in mm-hmm. an episode, yeah. you know, or, you know, um, the Tin Man. Ray yeah, Bulger. Ray Bulger. Ray and Bulger. Bobby Van. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was ever more excited about a TV show, uh, The Cowardly Line, more excited about Scarecrow. a TV show before or since <laughs> than the debut. And, I, you know, back then, you know, how did you find out something was happening? You either saw it in Starlog or TV Guide. I remember those right. Frank Frazetta ads in TV yeah. Guide. I'm like, mm. oh, my what God, this, this looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, seeing the uh, previews on ABC itself uh, mm-hmm. in the in the weeks beforehand, you know, uh, uh, they, I think they were saying that a, a saga for television, a space saga, and and it was it was really the anticipation was uh, huge. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have like favorite episodes that, like Steve, what, what you just did a marathon, you just binged it. <laughs> what, 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 in retrospect, like what stands out for you? I, I always, as going back to when I was a kid, one of my favorites was always the gun on ice planet zero two parter. Um, I, I just, I, I thought that was a really compelling story. And I, I like that they were on this ice. This was before it was when it was called the dirty even. dozen too. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you know, they had clones, they had Cylons, they had this super laser that could, you know, blast, the, the Galactica out of the that sky could, that could ravish all. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, the ravish all pulsar. <laughs> ravish all pulsar. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was I just found that particular story uh, really compelling. Um, and of of course, you know, the living legend. This time, the Galactica hasn't a chance. Concentrate our fighters on the Galactica's landing base. Her warriors won't be able to refuel, reload, or land. Galactica is reporting heavy damage to her landing base. Bring her around 60 degrees. We're going in. Burn, Galactica. You're finished, Adama. I don't want to miss a moment of the last Battlestar's destruction. I really think you should look at the other Battlestar. What are you babbling about, up? It's impossible. Fire in your fool's head! He's coming right for us! Now, the exciting conclusion of Living Legend. Is, I don't know, probably the parts one and two probably the best story of the whole the whole thing but i think most of them have their have their virtues but those two are my favorites what about you ashley you what are your favorites uh i definitely would have said living legend um but uh i am very partial to war of the gods Sheba, come to me. Don't listen to him, Sheba. Turn around and look at what we found. Don't be deceived. You're mine. Come, be with me. Sheba, 
Do not touch her. She is mine. She has given herself to me freely. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Come out of it. Hear me. Let her go. I command it. You command no one who does not willingly give you dominion. You have no power over me. You know who I am. Yes, I finally know. Sheba, think back to the ancient records. The names Mephistopheles, Diabolus, the Prince of Darkness. I will give you one more chance before I strike her down. Death to her, Apollo. May her soul curse you through eternity. There is just something extremely compelling about Count Ibley and that whole story. And um, that just, you know, uh, as I like to say, Patrick Mackney uh, (laughs) has has such tremendous uh, charisma. Yeah. And, you know, usually when Lauren Green walks, you know, onto a set, when he walks into a scene, he owns it. Right. The man has that thing he has. He can fill a room with his personality. But when he had scenes with Ibley, Adama felt like he was up against somebody who was a worthy opponent. Yeah. Somebody who was dangerous and also somebody who hinted at other things, Mm -hmm. you know, a much larger story. And that's what I found so compelling. Um, And, you know, I always wanted to see a, a, a follow up. I always wanted to see what happened next or what that meant. And I've always felt like there is, and I, they never got to it in the new Galactica, but I've always felt like there is just the barest hint of a connection between the original series and the reboot that comes from him. And the well, what was, that he was so, saying. so cool about War of the gods is it was about angels and demons, mm-hmm. which is something that Star Trek would, you know, let's say would never do. Yeah, there was magic of Megas too and stuff, but it's not a Star Trek in conceit. Star Trek was not like a spiritual show. So yeah. that was so interesting. And Ron Moore did say um, the one thing he wished he could have gotten to in um, the his Galactica that he didn't get to do was Count Ibley. I asked him about that. And, um, you know, obviously they did Living Legend and they did it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but War of the Gods was something he he said they just never were to look. What about you, uh, Darren? What was your favorites? You know, I, I love uh, all of those two, but uh, I also really like, what is it, the Young Warriors? Young Lords. Young Lords, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, they, where they, you know, make up this... Uh, uh, this song about a plan to uh, to rescue Bruce Glover, which is uh, <laughs> which is always a nice thing to do. Um, but it, there's just something that's fun about that, and I really like uh, uh, seeing Starbuck uh, fending for himself without having to deal with the crap on the Galactica. And you like and how- Audrey Landers also. 
Well, yeah, of course. Why? Why not? But uh, how, how cool is it to see the Cylons like wading through marsh, like you know, in a in a real great. environment? Yeah. Well, yeah, for yeah, everyone absolutely. but the uh, production, uh, the line <laughs> producer, because uh, they had two horrible incidents on Young Lords. One where it was dark, and one of them was on the stairs of the castle and tripped. Oh, yeah. And they oh, fell oh, at like dominoes, oh, no. and they all yeah. went down the <laughs> stairs. But then the director made <laughs> them march through the, the swamp, through the water, yeah. and it, it destroyed. And destroyed these costumes the were super yeah. expensive. It destroyed all the costumes. Yeah. Because oh, they got no. water and gunk what and most all this people, stuff. What most people don't realize is those costumes were extremely fragile. They mm. were just vacuum plastic that were uh, that were vacuum metalized, um, and they're extremely delicate. And the the tiniest scratch rips off the the chrome. And uh, a, a friend of mine has an original Cylon costume, and it's so light and so mm. crappy. <laughs> um, that it's amazing that they look so good on TV and they do, but, uh, and again, extremely expensive to remake and certainly to repair. Um, it's funny. But, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say what, what, in relation to what you said, uh, when I was talking to Rod Holcomb, because he had shot an a a episode of Agent X for me, uh, I used to talk to him about Galactic all the time because he, he worked on Galactica mm -hmm. and, um, he would tell me it was so difficult to shoot because of reflections yeah, um, mm. and you see the camera. So it was really tough to, to shoot the Cylons because it was reflecting the lights and it was reflecting the camera. And yeah. you'd uh, see it, the it, whole crew in a star filter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting. Now I want to, it's funny, you guys all had different favorites. I have to agree with all of you. Everything you've mentioned are my favorite episodes. <laughs> So I'm not going to repeat Living Legend, War of the Worlds, all this, uh, War of the Worlds, War, War of the yeah. Gods. Uh, um, I, I'm going to add on and I'm going to say I love the fact that towards the end of the show, you know, because the the, the, the the Galactica was being chased the whole time, which I know Glenn Lars, Glenn, David Gerald criticizes it. They're always on the run. They're, you know, that's not an exciting show. That's not heroic because you're, you're you know, which is an interesting point. But I love um, Hand of God. Yeah. Commander, long-range scan indicates our squadrons are engaged. Give it to me here. Yes, sir. They're heavily outnumbered. They can hold their own. All we need now is to... There! There she is, Charlie! The base star. Yes. Now let's pray that Apollo and Starbuck have knocked out our scanners. Battle stations. Yes, sir. Battle stations! Seal all compartments! She scanned us, sir. They might just have done a tie. Stand by to fire. Fire! What happened? Aft laser turrets report an attacking battle star. Fire aft mega lasers. Where they mm -hmm. decide they're going to take on 
I'm tired of running. So am I. And they go up against the base stars, which is definitely the best one hour episode. Yep. Plus the yep. idea of the getting the moon landing, which mm. like, wow, that was like, like blew people's minds, <laughs> you know, yes. at the time it was like blew my mind. And then even something like the quantum leap precursor experiment in terror where, um, mm -hmm. it, and it basically is quantum leap. Donald Belisario admits it. He wrote it. Um, where uh, Apollo pretends to be somebody else uh, to deal with this, uh, to stop a nuclear war on terror. But at the end, the Galactica, because this is a case where the Galactica is superior to the technology, but like basically stops the war. They yeah. just like use their lasers and they just like wipe out a, a nuclear exchange. And like they get to be badass for a change as opposed to like, we're running away from the Cylons. And I just, I thought that was really, um, really cool. And that also is, I think, one of John Delancey's first screen appearances. Yes. He plays like a, a guard in that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Another favorite of mine is sort of the opposite of all of that. Um, it's not a grand, expansive episode. It's a bottle episode, and that's Fire in Space. Mm. I always really like that episode where the Cylons do this all-out attack, kamikaze attack on the Galactica. Adama ends up fighting for his life in the Life Bay, and uh, Boomer and and Boxy are, are are trapped in the on the recreation deck, and and there's fire is raging out of control, and it's gonna it's threatening the whole ship, and Starbuck and Apollo have to go EVA, and and other Vipers are in space trying to shoot fire retardant into the launch bay. It's a really clever, fun, you know, Towering Inferno episode. Yeah. Well, they even use footage from Towering Inferno yeah. or Earthquake. <laughs> I forget which one, but they, they used a bunch of footage for and the they, Galactica was on fire. They had that shot of Shelly Winters sort of floating. And, you know, I love that the MacGuffin is the Muffy Treats. So yes. dessert saves their <laughs> lives. Mushy, I love that. The Muffy Treats. Yeah, yeah. So so it's good. The food comes to their rescue. I like that. <laughs> now, we have to we have to mention that uh, Muffet the Daggett was played by a chimpanzee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> was it the same chimp who played Bear? Please I don't think so. Damn it. No, I don't it wasn't. Think so. It was Evie. But, Evie. Yeah, it's just so amazing that... First of all, you'd have the idea to do this. Second of all, you'd actually go through with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, how, what kind of mind comes up with this idea and then does it? <laughs> There's a couple examples of that in this show. There's one in Galactica 1980 that blows my mind that I'm sure we'll get to. Don't oh, so not sure. if we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Boone Nair was the animal wrangler and they had uh, the main chimp was Evie, but they had some other chimps, too. Uh, but apparently she was very sweet. And the actors. Well, it would know. have to be could be put in the costume all day. Yeah. I mean, last you know, I heard she was still alive. Well, good, good for doing you. interviews. She's like yeah. signing autographs. <laughs> We're gonna see her at Galaxy Con. Yeah, She's so wearing funny. a ratty old Muffet costume. I'd love, <laughs> I, I'd love to convince Mike at Galaxy Con to do some kind of Galactica reunion. I know they've done them from time to time, and obviously, you know, Richard Hatch has passed away, and a lot. But you know, uh, Dirk Benedict, uh, Lawrence Spang. Uh, um, uh, uh, Terry Carter. Terry Carter brought such gravitas as mm. Colonel Ty. Yeah. And it's interesting because he almost lost that role because he broke his leg mm -hmm. like um, skateboarding or rollerblading with his daughter right before they start production. And he didn't want to tell him because he didn't want to lose the role. So he shows up in this cast. And they're like, what the you know, but he, he was so great when Commander Adama sees these uniforms. He's gonna go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's so funny. Great. 
And I spent a little time course, with him. And of course, we, you know, we spent, uh, you know, a, a good uh, dinner with uh, Herb Jefferson Jr. Oh. Uh, and his tales of uh, tales of Boomer. Um, and he's he's uh, just hey such a hey boomer yeah okay okay, <laughs> okay boomer okay boomer <laughs> but uh, he's just so much fun and enthusiastic and loves the fans and and loves the fact that he uh, he did Galactica. Um, very enjoyable. I used to love that, to get at Comic Con. Richard Hatch would always do these. I, I, they were like motivational speeches. Like he would have right. these one hour slots and. You know, there usually weren't that many people because, right. you know, in the in the late 90s, Galactica wasn't really on you know anyone's radar, yep. <laughs> even leading up to the Ron Moore series. And he was just such a compelling, uh, you know, inspiring, passionate speaker. I just loved going and sitting in the back and, and watching him work the crowd. Yeah, agreed. He was, it's a that great, was great loss. Yeah, that was such a special night that dinner we did at Morton's at WonderCon because we'd just done a panel with Alan Levy, who uh, uh, directed the pilot and Gun Ice Planet Zero, um, and then um, I think Rod Holcomb was there mm -hmm. and um, uh, Herb Jefferson Jr. and Terry McDonald, who was the story editor, right. and um, Dave Rogers, who's just a Galactica super fan. Right, and he, he brought Galactica to the office. Yeah, yeah, he brought, he was the one who yes. brought Galactica to the office. All that Galactica stuff came from Dave Rogers. He talks about it on his Trexperts episode that he was on. Yes, uh, may the space force be with you. So if you're interested <laughs> in that? You should check it out. Um, but he, uh, that was such a great night. I mean, to be able to give back to these people who gave us so much as kids, it, it was, it was, and they were so touched by the whole thing. And people loved that panel. I mean, that was a great panel with full of great stories and it was a really fun it was a really fun night but i was gonna say that years ago i was at a um, star trek convention i was a guest at and we were staying at a bed and breakfast that's where they put us up i'd never do that again but um <laughs> uh, in rochester new york and terry carter and grace lee whitney were two of the other guests so i spent a lot of time with terry and grace and terry was just the sweetest Man, he mm. was just so great. And I, so I got to know him a little that weekend and I, I just thought the world of him. And I, I, it was great because I, I used to love him in the show because Lauren Green was not like Kirk. You know, he had gravitas, but he didn't have, he wasn't like the guy you wanted to hang out with or, you know, just you want to send down to the planet. Um, but, you know, uh, Terry Carter just, he brought a humanity to that role that was so great. Absolutely. And he's 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 great on the he's great on the show because he mm. is he is sort of the uh, he's the link to the uh, you know to the upper echelon right he 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 lives with the uh, with the grunts and and cohorts with the uh, with the command and it's <laughs> uh, it's a, a really it's a fun uh, character first of all and he's uh, he's really good in it. That was the Star Trek convention I was at where my brother came. And uh, Will Wheaton came up to try and interview him at the booth. And uh, Ira was listening to a baseball game on the radio. And <laughs> Will Wheaton's, can I ask you a few questions? He goes, no. And uh, Will Wheaton's like, well, um, I, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm, you know, I'm Will Wheaton from Star Trek Next Generation. He goes, I don't care. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm really curious about like why you're here. You don't seem that interested. He said, go away. Wow. <laughs> so you see the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But, um, you know, Dirk Benedict to me was mm -hmm. like just 
uh, amazing in that show. You know, he he was the rogue. He was the Han Solo type character. But I think he was more than that. You know, I mean, he was just a very interesting character. And Dirk was great. And of course, he played the same role uh, uh, right after the show was canceled in um, the A-Team, you know, as yeah. Face Man. Basically, uh, he, he said he patterned his uh, he drew inspiration from the character of Maverick uh, for mm. Starbuck as this sort of, uh, you know, scoundrel, this kind of gambler who that's, would that's, rather. That's Brett Maverick, not uh, Tom Cruise. Maverick. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although both of them are great pilots. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But in, in the sense that he was more of a charmer, like to talk his way out of yeah. a fight than actually right. have mm -hmm. to fight somebody. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. And he has a, 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 an averse uh, reaction to steam, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and he loves coffee. Yeah, you remember and, remember, fum uh, and fumarellos? Is that what they call right. them? Fumarellos? Yes, cigars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember, Herb told us that story about you know the reason they're all in towels in that first scene in Galactica, um, and in like you know he has a towel around his neck and they're all you know Jolly is in a you know towel and everybody's like not dressed is because. They hadn't finished the costumes yet. Oh my god! <laughs> that's how tough. No, that's producing. You know how <laughs> tough they were, uh, how behind they were, and how challenging it was. I mean, and if you talk to any of these people who worked on this or the subsequent Galactica 1980, they would literally—they were always so behind that they were filming multiple episodes at once. Sometimes they would put them in the Viper and give them scripts for like three episodes to do all their dialogue. <laughs> you know, because and and and. There were times where they would send stuff to the satellite Sunday afternoon Oof. in order to make the broadcast. Wow. You know, I'm, they were just finishing it. This was all finished on film. It was all posted. Yeah. Uh, There's no digital uh, nope. uh, post pod pipeline. It was all analog. And it, so they cut it really close. And one of the things I think that hurt Galactica was that it was constantly preempted by other things. That's and I think true. part of that was to give them more time to finish the episodes. <laughs> I think we ought to talk a little bit about the amazing music by Stu Phillips. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that stuck with me uh, about the show from the beginning was the amazing music. And, you know, I, I was already a huge John Williams fan and uh, Jerry Goldsmith. And here was this person, Stu Phillips, that I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. You know, if I had been a little more informed, I, I would know. But you hadn't seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I hadn't seen any of that at uh, eleven years old. Um, I hadn't seen any of the dolls. But the music is so good and so uh, evocative, yet different than anything we'd heard before. I mean, it, you know, it's still in the sort of the romantic vein, uh, but all the themes are great. The uh, the uh, uh, orchestrations are beautiful, and uh, our mutual friend uh, Mojo and I uh, got to uh, have lunch with Stu Phillips a few years ago, and uh, talk to him about all of this stuff. And he, uh, Stu Phillips, is a, a you know was a, an amazing guy, and still is, still is, and and he uh, he didn't live far from the place we had lunch, so we got to go visit him at home and in his little uh, writing cubicle. Uh, at the back of his house, and uh, he played he played Galactica music for us on the piano. Oh, and, that's awesome! And we we were we actually were trying to find the music for that um, that post credits intro into the 
into the show where you see, uh, you know, uh, Boomer and uh, and Jolly oh, looking and the up guest the stars sky. and everything, yeah, and, and, and it mentions all the guest stars because bum, that wasn't bum, on. Bum, 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 exactly. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it it was not on the soundtrack that had been released because at they the couldn't time. find it at the time. Mm, yeah. um, but we were able to find the cue. Uh, on his printed sheet music and find yeah. the name for it so that they could search for it and find it to include on the next release. Wow. So it was just a, a wonderful afternoon with Stu Phillips and we were, you know, we were kissing his ass all through it. But uh, uh, I was, think, I think the so music, fun. Yeah. I think the music, I, there's no greater uh, score, I think, than the original Star Trek episodes, but Bowser Galactica is close and about 10 or 15 years ago, Entrada put all the music out mm-hmm. on CD, and it's fantastic. I mean, his scores for Buck Rogers is fun, and yeah. I like it, but the Galactica music is like, you know, Star Wars quality. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. really phenomenal. And yeah. it just sticks with you, like, you know, the, the you know, well, and thematic. So, like, you know, yeah. every time you see the silent bass start, and then that great music for the light ship and War the, you know, War the Gods. Yeah, it's it's scary and beautiful. Mm hmm choir and everything yeah yeah Stu Phillips did an incredible job and the Los Angeles Philharmonic um you know that I remember getting the soundtrack on you know the LP Mm -hmm. and loving it and just hoping one day they would put out the um TV show and the the TV show was put out as a bootleg the Stan Phillips Stu Phillips anthology right many years later and try to put all the episodes out and it's freaking awesome I would say if there's one uh, galactica related thing that that was a letdown it was the merchandising mm. um i always felt that the toy line was lackluster the action figures what there were of them well, they were okay but there there weren't enough of them they never made a starbuck or a boomer yeah. although yeah. i loved my cylon yeah the cylon was great although you know, i didn't like the the molded legs so you couldn't you know I, I, and the gold cylon was great and and the little the little ships with the missile, the firing yeah, missiles. Be careful, you poke your eye out. Which well, I, just, which I still just have. remember, it's because of Battlestar Galactica that Boba Fett didn't have a missile launcher. Yeah. Um, because at the time that they were developing the Boba Fett figure uh, with a launching missile, uh, apparently some kid hurt himself with one of the missiles from a Cylon Raider. And this now, is why we can't have nice. This things. is why we can't have. <laughs> well, nice they things hate humans. Look, I'm with every sure, fabric of their being, <laughs> especially human children. <laughs> I, I'm sure that the kid who did it is was very nice, but he couldn't have been very bright. I'm, that's no. all I'm saying. <laughs> he probably deserved it. I, I hope he didn't die, but I also kind of hope he did. Not, no, I'm not, <laughs> not. I'm not saying that. You're gonna get an enraged tweet from a guy with an eye patch. You don't know what I went through. Much like Rafe Needleman, that would be a podcast miracle. (laughs) 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 Rafe Needleman is one thing, but kid who got his eye put out by a Cylon Raider? It could have been Rafe Needleman. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Are you the kid? Also, how do you feel about life cereal? Just ask. <laughs> but that that little Viper toy was pretty great, um, and the Cylon Raider that had the wings that opened up to reveal the missiles was pretty great. The other, the Stellar Probe, and the the other one, uh, the other two toys 
were okay. I mean, obviously they didn't appear in the show anywhere, but um, I was always disappointed. I had the little Viper launch bay thing that was like a, a rubber band contraption that would shoot a foam rubber Viper out of a launch bay. But the, other than that, you know, the, the soundtrack album was great. I love the Wonder Bread cards. Oh, there, uh, Darren's got a beautiful I'm studio holding replica. Up a, a casting of an original Silent wow. Raider. That's so nice. Down on the beach, missing a sail. <laughs> um, I loved the Raiders so much. Yeah. And the, the Los Angeles Raiders? <laughs> you're a funny one. Um, the, the MPC model kit of the Cylon Raider was the most beautiful model kit I had ever seen. I thought the Viper was great. I, I love building that. I wasn't a big fan of the Viper because it, it it did remind me too much of the X-Wing. And I'm not a big mm. fan of the X-Wing, to be honest. I like the bad really? guys' ships better. I like huh. the bad guys' ships. And so Fascinating. The, the, the Raiders were so cool, and I loved them. I would I would always take my model of the Raider, and I would do that that move as it moves away and, and does the spin down. And mm -hmm. um, I actually put lights in it so the engines lit up and the, and the lasers lit up. And it was just, I went all out for it. I was planning on making a movie with it. And of course, I had no friends who could help me make a movie. So Aww. I was out of luck. <laughs> I had no friends. But yeah. But you know, it, it, it all went into the great uh, uh, chasm of potentialist art that I've contributed mm. to. <laughs> that, is, that, that is so cool. And of course, there were huge clunkers like Greetings from Earth, which is the <laughs> aforementioned episode you mentioned with. Um, Ray Bulger and 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 Bobby Van. I mean, we thought, oh, it's a two-parter. It's got to be good. No, no, not so much. No, but it did introduce it, the no Eastern Alliance. Zone, I'll tell you that much. It's no neutral zone. I mean, but even a you know one that's not really remembered much. Take the Celestra is kind of an interesting episode because it gets into the 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 politics in the fleet mm -hmm. and what do you you know the civilian versus the military like those themes that Ron Moore explored so brilliantly in his his reboot series. Um, you know the roots are in an episode like that. Because and if you're a fan. I'm sorry. As George Lucas let us know, kids love political stories. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, uh, if you're a fan of Dr. Piper, and who isn't from uh, Star Trek, the second pilot, then Paul Fix is back as, uh, as the, the captain in. of the Celestia. The Fix is in as captain of the Celestia. What was his name again? He was uh, Adama's mentor, but he resented him. <laughs> he was yes. a resentor. <laughs> yeah, I forget what his name was, but uh, but he ran things with an iron fist on that ship. I, I think that that episode is let down by its production values. You can tell it's late in the series and it's very blocky and, and it's a lot yeah. of reused sets. And, uh, you know, at the beginning when they're giving Ty... Uh, giving the 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 captain his his award, you can tell it's a soundstage. You know, it's just like <laughs> they, they don't hide it at all. It's like, oh, there's the soundstage, there's the ceiling, there's the wall, and they just put like a little stage in the middle of the set. And just isn't like, that the one where they actually had like a little you know a band playing the theme as yes, if it were yes. the national anthem? Of, yeah, uh, the, the, they're playing the Galactica yeah. theme as though it's like the military honors yeah. for which they did in the in Ron Morris yeah. too, which yeah, I always yeah. love when. They did that. Yeah, Bear McCreary yeah. did that. One of my favorite um, moments. But uh, yeah, take the Celestra, and it's another you know old flame of uh, Starbucks, right. uh, Aurora, mm. played by Anna Alicia. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting episode. I I agree. But um, 
Uh, and then there's just some awful ones like the the, the one with the Bores, the uh, and, and, and <laughs> oh, Cyrus Bellaby, uh, um, Brett Summers from Match Game. Right. Uh, it's just uh, Magnificent Warriors. Ooh, man. Adama. Oh, Come out and play. Wait, no, that's she not. was like the precursor to Luoxana Troy. Let's yeah, do it. Okay, ready? Yes. Ready for the holiday special? Here we go. Ten best Galactica characters, starting with ten. Beryllian Noman at ten. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number nine. Number oh nine. God. Come on, uh, who's number n- nine? Number nine is Cyrus Bellaby. No, she's not in the top ten. Come sure on, he is. No, you know Lloyd Bachner from the Eastern Alliance. No, I hate. I hate <laughs> the freaking Eastern Alliance. The Eastern Alliance. The stupidest Dama, thing ever. Okay. Okay. White okay. Come on, number nine. Okay, it's it's, it's 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 Green Bean. Yeah. Ed Beagley Jr. Oh my Lieutenant God. Lieutenant Green yeah. Bean. Uh, what was his name? Come on, green, green, green bean, green bean, green bean, yeah, green bean, green bean. Mm-hmm. Okay, number eight, Sheba. No, Sarah Rush, the <laughs> Rigel. She's the one who goes launch all vipers. Okay, we're gonna get the Sheba, right? Okay. So, okay, so number we, seven. Number seven is the Chief Ovion. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be the singers. It's love, love. No, love, they're love. higher up. Okay. Well, <laughs> because we're getting now we're getting because you gotta have countably in the top five. Yeah. You gotta have Adama. Don't, don't tell me who we gotta have. have. Starbuck, Sheba. Yeah. Right? What about yeah. Serena? What about Serena? Oh, Serena. Yeah. Yeah. And Apollo. You gotta have maybe? Jane Seymour. Apollo, yeah. maybe? Eh, I guess. Starbuck, uh Imperious Leader. Yes. Cora, the computer. Baltar. Oh yeah. How can you, you gotta Baltar? Baltar. Right? You gotta have Baltar. Baltar. Oh my God! This got to be a holiday well, special. We need more time. Wait, 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 wait! You guys, you've listed all of these names, and I haven't heard Janeway pass yeah, any of the rights. What's going you're, on here? You're funny. <laughs> what about the Daggett? You gotta have the Daggett. No, you don't. Muffy, no, you don't. No, you don't. Well, you gotta have Commander Kane. And you, oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta have, have Commander, Commander Kane. Kane, and you don't have to have Boxy. No, you don't. Oh. Yeah, no, you don't, don't need like that boxy. Uh, Wesley Crusher. But you need Athena. You need Athena. You need Athena because we were all like uh, ten years old at the time. I, I didn't like boxy when I was on, but I think it was more like I was jealous that this kid like got to hang out on those sets and like be in that show. I, I didn't like that kid. And you no, were rooting against him in uh, Neverending Story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that he was the impetus for all these stories. Like he he hit he he um hit out on the on the shuttle. So he, he goes down to the gun on ice planet zero because he was hiding on the shuttle. It's like Muffy come wanted on. to see Muffy wants to see snow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, show come Muffy on. Snow. <laughs> and then fire in the you know he's in the center of the action again and fire in fire in space. It's like I don't well, like they kind of wrote him out of the show by the second half though. He, he well and Athena also half. I love Athena. Were, yeah. yeah. Well who didn't? Athena and Serena were my two go to babes. Apparently Don Henley didn't love her enough. He didn't marry her. Oh, but uh oh, oh, too soon. Yeah. Um but uh what else? Um yeah, so I mean, you know, it's just like look at the way we talk about the show. It's almost like uh, Inglorious Galactic spurts. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But let's but you know, there's a legacy here because the show despite being very high in the ratings. I mean, at the time, it was like one of the highest rated shows ever to be yeah. canceled because it was so expensive. It was just too damn uh, expensive. 
two damn yeah. expensive. And then if you believe it, the story may be apocryphal. It went through kind of the same thing as Batman, mm-hmm. where they changed their mind and we're going to bring it back, but they'd already struck the sets by then. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, those, I tend to believe those stories, but it just proves what idiots that studios are. So <laughs> instead, they greenlight Galactica Good 1980. Sunday on Galactica 1980, Cylons destroy the fleet's food supply ship. The loss of the agro ship can be crippling to us. Their only hope for survival is to find a place on Earth and start a new colony. Please, Lord. Please send somebody to help my dad. Perhaps we can be of help. And they help each other. I think we better deal with that situation. But discover they're the targets of hostile neighbors, forcing them to use superpowers to stay on Earth. Galactica 1980. Tomorrow at 7, 6 Central and Mountain on ABC. And Which that was the, that. Everyone lived happily ever after at the end. Except, you know, <laughs> there was. Which, you know, on its face, I don't think that the premise, the bare premise for Galactica 1980 isn't bad. I mean, no. the idea that the Galactica, after all of its journeys, after, you know, a couple decades in space, a couple of, you know, dozens of yarns in space... <laughs> actually finds earth like great all our problems are solved but oh no it's this primitive backwards world of 1980 and we're be helpless against the cylons so we have to embark on a you know a two-pronged strategy we'll lead the cylon fleet away from earth while simultaneously trying to surreptitiously advance the technology of Earth so that they can defend themselves. They have With the to help build. of the brilliant Dr. Z. <laughs> it is a pretty good premise. Unfortunately, it kind of leaned into all the crap that, that didn't work. Um, weirdly, it depended on the fact that we just got finished shitting on Boxy and like now Boxy's <laughs> back and he's kind of the lead on the show. Um, there were two things I really... Well, and then there's like a dozen boxies in that show. Yeah, like, but no, no, but what I mean is like literally Boxy, <laughs> Super is, Boxy yeah. is the lead on the show. The dude from, yeah. um, whatchamacallit? Barry Van Dyke. Yeah. Not Barry Van no, Dyke. the other guy. The other one. Kent McCord. Kent, Kent McCord. Adam 12. Yeah. Yeah. Kent um, McCord, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I like two things about Galactic 1980 other than the premise. And then it's like, whatever. Uh, I loved like it, and I have no excuse for this, but I just did. So whatevs. Uh, the night the Cylons landed like, <laughs> with Wolfman Jack, <laughs> Wolfman Jack, and like they're on the Universal lot, and there's the Cylons. I thought that was kind of awesome, uh, and I love the Return of Starbuck. Yes. Well, yeah, but that was originally a, an original a Galactica, Galactica script. Yeah, yeah. Is and that it true, feels like an original Galactica script. Is that true or is that an apocryphal story? I, I think it. I think it is true. I think they thought they were getting canceled, and I don't know if Larson wrote that specifically or if it was an original Galactica story. But you know, at that point, you know, the writing was on the wall, and he said, rather than doing a Galactica eighty episode, let's do an episode of the original. It's kind of like what happened at Enterprise with the finale. You know, where they did an episode of Next Generation, except in this case, it was a great idea to do this um, because the episodes they rejected. They had a couple in development. The day that, well, Earthquake was one where an earthquake machine could create earthquakes. Another one they were in the middle of filming on the day they were canceled was called The Day They Kidnapped Cleopatra. Where um, Xavier goes back in time and kidnaps Cleopatra and brings her back to the future. And they were like three days into filming when the show was canceled. And it's so funny because Robin Douglas told me this great story who played, uh, you know, the the investigator. Uh, you know, she, 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 she was... Um, the reporter. The reporter, Jamie Summers or Jamie whatever she was. 
And uh, she says, so she's doing a scene and she just keeps screwing it up. And she, she was feeling worse and worse. And finally, she just screws up another take. And she starts, and, 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 um, and they say, okay, enough. We're done. Show's canceled. And she's just <laughs> crying. And they're all think, <laughs> because she thought they were canceling the show because oh she couldn't God. get the lines right. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, that's amazing. They didn't yeah. tell oh, her they, for a few days, did they? Yeah, they to <laughs> live with the weight of that. Yeah. Well, and they, uh, they had already recast Xavier uh, in that episode. Oh, yeah, Jeremy too, Brett they? replaced uh, Richard Lynch. <laughs> but I guess Richard Lynch was going to come back. Uh, he'd been filming something else. Maybe it was Sword and a Sorcerer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, no, it wasn't. But he 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 was going to come back, I guess, and replace Jeremy Brett. Brent. Um, but... Uh, just, I mean, everything about this, it was so ill-advised. I mean, a lot of it was a bunch of Glenn Larson's friends. He knew it wasn't going to last, so he just wanted, he put his kids in it again. Yeah. And uh, it, it's ridiculous because you think, oh, my God, this whole series, they've been looking for Earth. And then I remember you saw the commercial, right? right. And it's like, oh, my God, they're going to find Earth. And they had all that footage from Earthquake of the the the, the Cylon Raiders attacking Hollywood and it's blowing up the Cinerama Dome. And you're like, oh, my God, this show is going to be the greatest thing yeah. ever. Right and um, switch and 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 it starts. Uh, finally, we found Earth. Right, they're in orbit. Yeah. <laughs> what? We're here. We're here. Right, right. Uh, and then and Good then news, it's like everybody. Uh, and then you're watching. And you're like thinking, okay, well, that's odd. That's a weird choice. I mean, this is eleven year old. What, right? what happened to and, the good and, parts? And then all of a sudden, Doctor Z. Who's this doctor? What? It's a <laughs> fucking kid from the Brady Bunch, cousin Oliver, and he's a super smart scientist who's telling Adama what to do. This is terrible. And then as if it couldn't get any worse, suddenly this is what could happen on Earth if the Cylons were to arrive here. And it's like, no! This is the worst. I mean, I knew as a kid, this is the worst thing ever. And it's like, I don't want to see a bunch of kids with superpowers. I mean, what is this? It could have been me, but no. Then they get to go back in time, so because now they can travel through time. Yeah, to, to through time. World War II to help the Nazis develop their rocket program and use a right. bunch of stock Xavier, footage the evil. World, stock footage from World War II movies. Well, and and you never stop to think. Well, the they could go back. Right, exactly. <laughs> if they can go back yes. in time, why did not they just go back and stop the Cylons from attacking the fleet? Yeah, because then we'd have no show. I know, well, but it's so stupid that this became a time travel show. Yeah, I mean, and and, and to do the, it, 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 you know, right next to they arrived at Earth and it's Adam and Eve. The dumbest trope of sci-fi Ugh. is um, is uh, World War II. We're gonna yeah. change World War II so the Nazis win. It's like, when they should have <laughs> have them arrive at Earth and it's all apes. <laughs> <laughs> and the Cylons blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, to, to you know, to maybe understand a little bit where they're coming from creatively, they were slotted in that "quote unquote" educational hour yes. on Sunday, early Sunday evening. So they had to have a certain amount of educational content combined with less violent content. The only so thing we, it taught me was to not watch the show anymore. Yeah. No, see, right. Steve's making a great point. Content. I would have watched Voyagers, and I because did. there there was a broadcast censor, Susan Futterman, and like. Apparently, you could only have so many acts of violence during the family hour, which was seven to eight. And like if a a blaster got shot at a tree, that counts as an act of violence. 
then you could only hit the Cylons a certain, you know, a certain amount of times. And they would have to be an educational component. So like, for instance, in the pilot where Robert Reed plays the scientist, he has to explain to them how a car works. And he says, well, the internal combustion engine works like this. And it's like, it's like stopping to do like an educate. <laughs> it's like a sequest. We talked about how they'd have Dr. Ballard come and explain something. And it was, the, and so every like episode. Tuxedo. They would come in and like explain like some scientific principle, like so that gravity, yeah, on on you know, on uh, the twelve colonies, gravity was much heavier. So here on Earth, there's a different gravity. So therefore, we can jump thirty feet in the air here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so bad. And then, I mean, you get to, um, you know, the, the Bad News Bears episode, <laughs> Spaceball, where they oh, have to God. play, you know, a little league game to Spaceball, win Ray. to save the camp. And then there's the one space croppers Oof. with the evil uh, agricultural guys, you know, the Monsanto guys who are, and they have to stop them from poisoning the lake, right? I mean, this oh, is the worst. Their song while leaping around, planting seeds. I mean, it's this riveting science fiction television. Yeah, I mean, but you're right. The only one that's watchable is that uh, Night the Silence landed two-parter, but it's the humanoid Cylons, which is right. what inspired Ron Moore to do his Galactic Enough. But um, humanoid Cylons, because it was cheaper, and they had a mix. And so the, the, the thing is, they have their Cylons, and it's Halloween, so everyone thinks the Cylons are people in costumes. I yeah. mean, it's so ridiculous. And they're stopped by a <laughs> microwave oven. <laughs> well, it, it was the, <laughs> the, the guest star. I found uh, amusing. Uh, William, William Daniels. William Daniels, and yeah. uh, and I, I, you know, I I, read, I learned from reading So Say We All by Mark A. Altman and Edward Thank Gross you, that... Um, the running gag of the meatballs, like that, that, that the, the the mention of meatballs that Sarah Futterman was convinced it was they, she, they were trying to sneak a sex sex jokes into the script, so they kept doubling yeah. down and adding more meatball references. <laughs> yeah, because they show up. The guy shows up in William Daniels' house. Here's your favorite plate of meatballs. I, and they I, change I, it to like wieners or something. When, when I was rewatching it uh, mm, recently, it's like tasty. they kept they kept bringing up these fucking meatballs, you know, in the scene. You know, like, oh, I hope he's going to be making his famous meatballs. Oh, I hope we don't have to have those famous meatballs. Like, why do they keep talking about the damn meatballs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so bad. My favorite story, Steve, in that book is when Barry Van Dyke talks about the scene where they get the money, and so he rob, you know, goes out of the <laughs> bank, and the directors, Vince Edwards, is saying, "So you can run across the street." And you you know with this bag of money and get you know get to your motorcycle. And it's like, well, you're gonna stop traffic. He's no, we don't have permits, but it's okay. Don't worry, you won't get hit. So, so he's running across the street and all from the bank with the hold the money. With all bags of, of from, fake money. All from around the corner, these police cars come up screaming, break. They jump out with their guns and say, "Put the money down!" And, and they think he's robbing the bank. Uh, and and this is this is Dick Van Dyke's son, by the way. Yeah, Barry yeah, Van Dyke yeah, yeah. is Dick, da, 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 yeah, Hollywood da, da, legend, da, da, Dick Van Dyke. Da, 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 da. The, the other crazy thing that I alluded to earlier about you know maybe even crazier than the idea of casting a monkey to play a space dog is attaching a fake motorcycle to the skid of a helicopter and putting a stuntman on it with a camera and flying it up and away from the freeway. Like I, when I watch, I'm watching the show. Like how do they? do that is that on a crane what's happening here like i can't believe they actually did that and proved a huge inspiration for the movie megaforce <laughs> <laughs> 
But, you know, it's funny because, you know, nobody comes back other than Herb Jefferson Jr. And Lauren Green, who's the, the mm. one he's supposed to be Moses, who's yeah. never going to make it to the promised land. So he's the one guy they do bring back. And it's so <laughs> weird because one, one of the. But he has a beard. Yeah, but he has a beard, so you don't recognize him. So one of the producers <laughs> says it's an amazing story. They go to this baseball game, Glenn Larson, Lauren Green and, and Dirk Benedict and him. And. um they, they, they said Lauren Green hated baseball, had no idea who Tommy Lasorda is or anything else. But, you know, he's just a good guy. And so he came with them. So these kids come up for his autograph. And, he, you know, he's always happy to sign autographs because he's a very avuncular guy. And he goes, oh, so Bonanza? They're like, no. He goes, Galactica? And he goes, no. They go, no. He's like, uh, so wh 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 what do you know me from? They go, the Alpo dog commercials. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they said his avuncular demeanor suddenly changed. <laughs> That's his legacy. The Alpo dog. Al Alpo Pitchman. No. Yeah, exactly. By all accounts, though, everyone just loved Lauren. Like, he just yeah. sounded like the consummate professional. Love Lauren? No, they were love Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, he's Canadian, so of course You're he's just nice. looking yeah. around and seeing actors and saying you love them, right? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I love Lauren. <laughs> but that lamp. you know but that show was so misguided and so yeah. bad and just um it's just a bad idea let's forget about it let's not bad talk idea about Ripley. It. although bad idea. actually this is my but i will say this one thing because you know as a writer they said the way larson used to write was either you know he had a typewriter in his limousine he had like the stretch limousine <laughs> but also he had this beautiful house in malibu and so he had a typewriter that looked out at the pacific ocean so when he sat down to write a script he wouldn't outline he wouldn't do anything he sit in front of the typewriter get to page 50 60 and, and, and if the story wasn't over to be continued okay it's done <laughs> <laughs> and they, they said when he would do that, he wouldn't even look down at what he was typing. He would just stare out over at the water and touch type these yeah. scripts. Like I crazy. cannot even imagine. Not that explains fired. a lot, I, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's why there's it so many two partners. Yeah. Well, he had this whole staff, but then he insisted on writing them all. But I think that's because he knew it wasn't going to last long, and you know that's generally you know he wanted to make sure he got as much credit and residuals as possible. Uh, maybe that he a little bit it. that it was his passion project. You it know, was maybe, his he, passion project. He really project. liked it, too. He did. He did. He did. He was the most <laughs> defensive about it. We tried. He said, you know, we really tried with that show. And given what they were up against, it's, you know, it's understandable. And, and Return to Starbuck really is fun. And by the way, for those of you who are Galactica fans or listen to this episode and never seen it, the way to watch it is there's this absolutely stunning Blu-ray set that Universal mm. put out, um, which has all the episodes, of the original Galactica, all the episodes of Galactic in 1980, and it has them both uh, the original uh, broadcast version and then matted to give it a theatrical uh, version. And right. it, it is so loaded up with deleted scenes. Uh, the only thing it's missing is uh, the night to saw, uh, they kidnap Cleopatra. But um, there's tons of outtakes and bloopers and substantial deleted scenes from the original Galactica. I think it also includes the the sort of the theatrical cut of the pilot mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. the the cut the three hour individual episodes. Yes. Uh, for syndication or yeah yeah which isn't dramatically different but you know balter doesn't die in the tv version and it doesn't have that scene the theatrical version doesn't have the scene where uh, athena is hiding behind the uh, locker when she's la la. getting undressed Ooh. and starbuck comes in so, so did you guys uh, uh did you guys see it in sense around and when was it, 79 i think they released it in theaters i did not 
I never went to see it in a theater because I, I I didn't see it. Seen it. Yeah, I didn't see it until we showed it the Cinematheque. Uh, you know, for see, the I, I loved it. I, I I went and saw it in a the theater uh, when it was. I, I also saw the pilot for uh, Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth yeah, century. Yeah, so did I. In the theater. But that'll be our next episode. We're, we'll come back. We'll talk about Buck Rogers another time because uh, you know that requires the same deep dive we did today as we <laughs> go far know, beyond we, the stars we know. We also need to talk about the Ron Moore reboot. Um, yeah. Because uh, that deserves at least the, the amount of time that the original does. Because there's some amazing things in that as well. Not, you know, it's not all great. But uh, there are some very interesting turns that were put into that show. Yeah, and oh, we absolutely should show. do an episode. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was surprised that we weren't doing the Q&A with Katie Sackhoff at uh, GalaxyCon. And then I, I thought, oh, should we say something? And then I realized, you know, we got enough panels. We don't need to do any yeah. more panels. <laughs> but I would like to do the next time, uh, either she's there or somebody from the uh, Ron Moore Galactica. I'd love to do that because um, I do love that show. Yeah. And we have great stories about that, don't we, guys? Remember we watched the miniseries and hated it? We watched it? the miniseries first yes. and hated it. And, and then, you know, and then uh, came back and watched uh, 33. 33. Which and was like, holy they changed crap. our minds. They said, what <laughs> the heck is going on here? This Complete is Complete 180. And yeah. it's, the, it's the oddest thing I've ever experienced about a show. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we hated the miniseries, yep. and from '33 on, we were completely all in yeah. on uh, like Galactica. Card. Yeah, it's kind of like Picard, where we hated. Oh, did I say that <laughs> the first two seasons, and uh, and then third third season, we're just cuckoo for cocoa puffs over it. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> But this was great because there may yet be brothers of band who even now fight to survive. Um, what, 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 okay, so what's the closing? Fleeing Let's do the closing from tyranny. Tyranny. The, the last, last battle, battle star, star. Galactica. Galactica leads a ragtag fugitive fleet on a lonely, on a lonely quest. quest. A shining planet, planet known as Earth. Earth. This has been Deck 78. See you next time. And until then, Fire the rockets. Deck 78 is an exclusive podcast from Trexperts Plus.